I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Five, four, four, three, three, two, two, one. Blast off! That's my favourite part of the show. There's quite a delay, isn't there, today? So we'll have to do the best we can. Good luck, studio. Well, hello. Hello, my friend. How are you doing? Oh, what can I say? Nothing, really. How are you? Nothing at all, baby. I'm good. I'm all right. um, I've had a hard time the past couple of weeks, but it is what it is now. Day at a time. Day at a time. I had some good advice today from my friend, actually, who said that it's really important to have novelty and keep doing new things. So that you feel like you're moving forward, which I think is a really good idea. Because, like, things that I've found most useful have been, like, listening to new albums, like the new Fiona Apple album, which is really good. Um, The main thing I'm struggling with is my attention span. Have you been struggling with your attention span? Yeah, 100%. But then I also realised that I'm always struggling with my attention span. So I don't know (laughs) if that's a new thing. But I did realise that it takes me so long to read a book. I don't know when I became, mm. I deliteracized myself. Is that is that the correct terminology? It is now. Um, have you found that that's more since since lockdown? More since in the last couple of weeks. I think because I'm now totally surgically attached to my phone, whereas IRL <laughs> a lot less. Yeah. And I think it's the apps, the flicking between the apps, the quick the quick hits of dopamine that just start rearranging your brain and make you only think in those kinds of five second intervals which just then makes everything way more challenging yeah no you are right so it's probably a case of i just have to force myself to read a book but i know but and also how can you find the thing i've been finding is what's the point (laughs) you know the thing that yeah what what i'm reading about feels irrelevant what is the point (laughs) i've been reading the what is um, the point of doing that I've been reading about Baby P. I actually really recommend this book. It's really good. It's um, going to find the full title. It's called The Story of Baby P, and it's by Ray Jones. And um, he's an academic, but it's such, uh, you know, often academic books are just dense and really dry. It's like a really, really easy to read academic book that kind of retells a story that I kind of only vaguely remember from the news and it really goes into the kind of the media response to it and how kind of child protection policy has been developed since. So if you're looking for some fun thrills... 
around murdered children and i do i think it's i think most people are just gonna watch disney plus if that's all right with you helen (laughs) not reading about murdered children while there's a global catastrophe (laughs) on anyway oh fair enough but if you do fancy it i recommend (laughs) um i also met a man called michael ritchie on i say met a man via zoom on dave cribb's podcast um uh, cabin fever and he's written a I've already called the police <laughs> he's written a book called The Third Wheel which I've also read and finished and was very entertaining so go and buy Michael Ritchie's book The Third Wheel available on Kindle fiction fiction about relationships and Ooh, sexy aliens. we like relationships here on the podcast. Oh, don't we, we love them so this is Bitchin. Every week we talk about a different person, we dissect, we divulge, we go wildly off track. And this week, who are we talking about? Tilly Steele. The Gallagher Brothers. Madfrey! And can we do a shout out to Philip Crew who slid into our DMs and suggested this. Thank you, Philip. Yes, Philip. And if anyone else has any suggestions, then we are very much open to anything we are at your disposal we are a public service here at the bitchin podcast <laughs> nationalizers baby yes please we serve you <laughs> you know what i mean that's my really bad it's really good Mancunian accent it's really there. good dreadful i love let's begin them i love them so much nationalize the gallagher brothers <laughs> <laughs> there's the campaign we should be starting they have provided years of entertainment in every possible way i mean where to even begin Um, should i read out the oasis wikipedia because they've each got their own but maybe the oasis for those who don't know they are brothers who were in a band called oasis and here is the and they fucking hate each other (laughs) (laughs) oh it's really is this gonna be us in 30 years you know what i am noel i was reading all about noel like oh my god that is me. I'm not sure that you're Liam, but there is capacity there. Do you think? No. I am probably the Liam. Offended? If there has to be a Liam, it is me. <laughs> it is me, hundred percent. He's the he's the fun one that everybody loves, but also ultimately destroys everything. <laughs> <laughs> She's crying because it's a bit too close to reality. It's not true, Tilly. I don't mean. It. I don't mean it. It's not true. It's not true. I'm just the boring one. I'm the boring, sensible one. Who has to quit the band? She's sunk down in a chair. She's gone. Oh <laughs> God, you're so beautiful. God, that was great. <sighs> that was the best read of my life. I want to. I want to remember the exact wording. You're the fun and unstable one everyone wants to see, but you ultimately destroy everything. <laughs> That's a mood, baby. That's a mood. Trying to become. So shall I read to Oasis's more of Wikipedia page? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Oasis were past tense an English rock band formed in Manchester in 1991 before we were born. 
Yes. Developed from an earlier group, The Rain, the band originally consisted of Liam Gallagher, Paul Arthurs, Paul McGugan, and Tony McMackerel. Tony McMackerel? Upon returning to Manchester, Liam's older brother, Yeah, it's his Noel... name. Don't say a man's name as a question, cool lad. <laughs> I was worried I was reading it wrong, because Tony Mc... McMackerel? Tony McCarroll. Helen Monks? <laughs> Tilly Steele? Oh. Anyway, then they returned to Manchester, and Liam's older brother, Noel, joined as a fifth member, which formed the band's core and settled lineup. During the course of their existence, they had various lineup changes though the Gallagher brothers remained as the staple members until the group's disillusion. Understatement of the century. So there we go. Have you seen Supersonic? I have not. Please, can you tell me? I I know this is really terrible research for this podcast, but my plan is to watch it tonight (laughs) after we've talked about them. (laughs) It's so good. Well, I was going to re-watch it. I watched it a couple of years ago. Um, It's so good. It's really... It's just so much fun. You just really feel like you're part of that insane, incredible journey that was Oasis. And there's just so many great quips and it's it's a really good film. Um, so this is the documentary yeah. that is about the Gallagher brothers and is it about their split and their fallout? Is that what it kind of covers? Um, I think it mainly focuses on like the rise of Oasis from memory. Oh, nice. It's It's really about like their childhood and then how the band came together and the the insane excesses of like the 90s when they were all absolutely out of their minds at nearly every point do you like oasis music i really really do i remember pretending when i was maybe 16 or 17 that they were overrated and i thought anyone who liked oasis was really mainstream but i mean it's just they're just really good songs aren't they yeah they're really good yeah yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, Thank you've you been listening, listening to Bitchin. <laughs> uh, they're really good. Uh, let's not dive into any of the controversy. <laughs> like when Noel Gallagher said that Damon Al- he wanted Damon Albarn to catch AIDS and die. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> they are the uh, ultimate definition of rock and roll, aren't they? They just... They just... The, the kind of fast-paced lifestyle and the inevitable... Behaving like cunts, yeah. <laughs> it's true. It just, like, so much of it looks completely idyllic in loads of ways and just unbelievably traumatic mm-hmm. in others. And it was just completely unsustainable, wasn't it? And not... not There's no... I don't know. I really, really empathise with Noel walking away. And I also... I didn't really have this much knowledge on them before because I hadn't... I'd only really known... I just remember when the Manchester Arena attack happened and there was the all-love-Manchester gig and the headliner was Liam Gallagher and everybody was expecting Noel to come out and join him. And the fact that the Gallagher brothers could not get together for this event sums up the deep, deep-rooted tension between them and mm. the fact that they are so disillusioned by their, you know, what they've been through. But... So I always thought that Noel was the one who was an arse and was refusing to talk to Liam because Liam often tweets, doesn't he, saying, like, I want to get back together, where's Noel? And then actually looking at the way that Liam behaved and the things that Noel had to put up with and the the things that they've been through, I just completely, completely understand why he doesn't want to get involved. He's like, that is toxic. Yeah. And also, children in Manchester in 
you know, 2000 and whenever it was, the 2000 teens, aren't necessarily sat with bated breath waiting for the Gallagher brothers to get back together. Like, that's not what they needed at that moment. I don't know if you watched that gig, but um, there was a lot of sort of um, musicians' opportunisticness coming out. So, like, Miley Cyrus did this interview, which actually the person interviewing her did a really good job of cutting short. I can't remember if I've I've talked about this before, but she... um, she was just saying yeah. what an amazing opportunity it was for her and how she wanted to do more and more stuff like this and her and um, Ariana Grande singing together was the best opportunity that had happened and it was like there was this complete disconnect between the reason that they were all there was for the victims and the survivors of this attack and her own kind of opportun- opportunism coming through. And in a way, I thought Noel Gallagher coming back, that would have been opportunistic of Oasis to reform based on the back of this tragedy. Um, so at the time, I was really disappointed that it didn't happen, but actually looking back... At it the would way have kind of... overshadowed it in lots of ways, I think. Yeah, totally. And, like, it wouldn't have fucking fixed what happened. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, you're not... But I, I want to go back to what you were saying about um, kind of the, the 90s and how unbelievable that must have been to be a part of it. I think... Now there's a tendency for our musicians don't really have the same kind of swagger maybe as they did back in the day, you know. Yeah. And without fail, even now, when Liam and Noel get get asked like questions about who's your favourite this or whatever, there's an interview, um, 73 questions with Liam Gallagher, which uh, Vogue do on, on YouTube. And... Uh, the top comment by the way which is hilarious is um this is 11 minutes of me being scared for this interviewer's life which really does <laughs> sum up what it feels like to watch Liam Gallagher do yeah. anything there's like an underlying yeah. like it's like you're watching a bomb that might might go off at any point I can't imagine how stressful it would be to be around that all the time but he gets gets asked um oh, what's your favorite lyric of all time and he replies with one of his band's own lyrics. I need to be myself. I can't be no one else. Feeling supersonic. Give me gin and tonic. You know, and you can't you can't imagine one of these crop of new young musicians being asked, you know, what's your favourite lyric and saying a song from their own. They'd be crucified in the press. Like, there's no way. There is something lovely about about just how completely how much self-belief they have and Mm. you know the fact that they they came from a council estate with nothing of course they have that mentality how the fuck else would you have become that you can't you can't become that much of a success without having that level of self-belief anyway so the difference is, is they just put it out there for everyone to see. Everyone can see how much they believe in themselves. And I think that's what people take take exception to. But I actually think it's one of the more charming things about them. I totally agree. I really like the honesty that comes with that. And I think you're right. It's a lot to do with where they've come from, but also the kind of idea of rock and roll used to be that it was the subversive art form rather than now the majority of the music industry is kind of built by affluent people, frankly. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's the thing that Catlin Moran always used to write about in terms of music and what music used to be 
for working class people was and and arts in general in theory this idealized version of it was that it was a ticket out of poverty and so the idea of you know learning on their dad's guitars to play and sing was for them like their ticket to having money and having um a life for themselves that that they're then going to completely like enjoy and own and the like you say the fact that despite everything they've managed to get that they must be brilliant because it's not been handed to them on a plate Mm. um did did you see i think it was on liam's wikipedia that and this i really admire as well like he didn't he i know that it's kind of known that he didn't really get into music until he was older in his teenagers like 18 or 19 um and he'd always been much more interested in sport and i think that idea of like knowing from a really young age what you want to be is is a big myth but apparently he was attacked with a with a hammer i don't want to make this up he basically had an injury to his head and he said mm. that was when he suddenly became really musical and became really interested in music and that's he views that as this turning point and this like really traumatic thing that happened where he had a head injury whereas whereas noel from a much much younger age was like uh listening to the beatles and that mm. was his kind of you know his natural calling whereas Liam I don't know if it, if it was that incident or if it was being around Noel a lot and going I'm gonna do that um which I can also imagine if I was Noel would be quite annoying because it's like your thing and then your brother comes along and it decides he's gonna be the front man and he's gonna but Noel was the one who wanted to form Oasis Noel heard that Liam was in a band and I think he must have known Liam's natural confidence he must have thought he can do the frontman thing and he can do it really well and it kind of doesn't matter what he sounds like. Yeah. You know, even though he, I do think he has a good voice and um, and I do think um, Wall of Glass, which is a Liam Gallagher song, it's quite recent, it's probably one of my favourite songs of the last few years. Like, yeah. It's so great and his voice sounds brilliant on that track. He's definitely probably... Now he's not caning the drugs every single night. It has really come into his own with his voice. But I mean, the confidence and the bravado and all of that, that's why you want to go and watch Oasis perform, you know. If it had just been Noel singing nicely with his guitar, they wouldn't have been the phenomenon that they are. It was the... And that's what Noel Noel says himself. He says that it was the relationship between them that created how because there's the songs and there's that but there's also yeah. the 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 story and the mythology of oasis which is yeah. the story of the brothers really and it's absolutely like textbook double act um story boarding isn't it of like you ha- both have qualities that the other does not possess and that's what creates the kind of that's why they really need each other and that's why the band is so successful but it's also what creates all of the tension and all of the fallout i'm always really loath to admit though that that traumatic thing that they've had to go through to make the music is worth like is what makes the genius but with them Mm. there kind of is an element of that of the fact that there was this conflict and obviously it being fueled by drugs and alcohol is what made it so toxic i guess and i think it's interesting so what was the incident oh sorry go on no you go I was just going to ask you, what was the final incident that was the that they split up over and they never... Because there were so many arguments over the years, but there was basically a final straw 
for Noel. Yeah, I'm trying to remember because when you read the history of the fallout, it's over years and it's Noel leaving the tour and them touring without him. It's Liam not turning up to things because he's hungover and Noel being mm. furious. Um, so let me find the actual... Because it seems like a lot of the... seems like the main difference between them is Noel is a little bit less eccentric and more able to kind of temper his behaviour for the situation that he's in. And Liam doesn't really possess that. Liam is just 100% Liam, no matter what the situation, no matter who's watching, what's going on, he doesn't give a fuck. Um, that seems to be the main... Because they're both as honest as each other and they're 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 both, you know can be dickheads and have said like awful shit over the years and they're both hellraisers like it's not like Noel's like the quiet bookish one that like you know he's like he's as you know crazy and out there as as Liam it just seems that maybe he's a bit like you you would maybe you would not be so scared to have a conversation with Noel Gallagher at a party (laughs) as I would be if I found myself in a conversation with Liam Gallagher I would be like oh my god I'm gonna die this is how I die this is how I go out (laughs) what is that about yeah you're right and it's like it's Noel that was suspended from school like expelled permanently from school when he was 15 it's Noel that got a criminal record when he was a teenager for stealing it's Noel that was because they both were um, sort of physically abused by their dad when they were growing up, but actually Noel was older and experienced that a lot more than um, Liam did and seemed to Mm. therefore be much more damaged by that and much more of a kind of um, wild child because of it. But um, but I, I don't know, from what I can... It's really hard to say because... Liam's interviews now, all he does is he goes, I don't know what I did, but he won't talk to me. And and I I don't know, part of me thinks that's him playing the innocent one. Yeah. I I know that there was an interview I watched with Noel where he said there was a day where I woke up and I decided to do no, to just stop doing cocaine. And I can't imagine what that must be like if you are both addicts and one and you, um, Neil... Noel decide to become to go clean but you're still with this person who is sabotaging everything because of their addiction I assume that that must have been that must have been a lot to do with it but also Liam but Noel um Liam is clean now I think they're both clean of drugs yeah but that was in the that was in the late 90s that right Noel Noel decided a lot before Uh, they decided Noel was able to become clean a lot Mm. a lot sooner i think as well their last album just wasn't very well received really importance of being idle is a banner though have you heard that song yeah great can we play it this is this has been most of my research has just been listening to that video as well with um reese ifans it's great oh it's great Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so after Liam contracted laryngitis, Oasis cancelled a gig at V Festival in Chelmsford on the 23rd of August, 2009. Liam sued Noel and demanded an apology, stating, the truth is, I had laryngitis, which Noel was made fully aware of that morning, diagnosed by a doctor. Noel issued an apology, and the lawsuit was dropped. The group's manager announced the cancellation of their concert at the Rockin' Sign Festival near Paris, just minutes before it was about to begin, along with the cancellation of the last date, excuse me, at the I-Day Festival, and a statement that the group does not exist anymore. Two hours later, a statement from Noel, Noel appeared on the band's website. It is with some sadness and great relief I quit Oasis tonight. People will write and say what they like, but I simply could not go on working with Helen Monks a day longer. <laughs> it's with the Liam other way longer. around. <laughs> How dramatic is that? Maybe it was just a case of it was just like... So years of everything yeah just yeah. built up you must just get a fi- have a final straw but particularly when you feel like artistically you've done you've peaked yeah then you must be exhausted it must be so much unnecessary drama and constant fighting and you know throw it you know who's smashing you know smashing each other's guitars up and all that you just must get to a point where you go i just want to i'm too old yeah, I'm, a I'm too old. Now. Yeah, and it's like it, that that kind of drama. It's the same thing as like when you go out with dickheads when you're younger or you whatever it is. Like past a certain point, you're like, I don't want to keep doing this to myself. Actually, yeah. the the highs are no longer worth the lows. Like I can't buy into the the drama of it all as much as I used to be able to when I was younger. I'm sure we've all had smaller versions of that where you cut toxic people out of your life where you stop behaving in a toxic mm. way yourself I guess the thing that's just publicly really fascinating about it is the fact that they are brothers mm-hmm. but also this this pressure for them to reform is because their music is so good and I think mm. I can't imagine if toxic people I've cut out of my life I also happen to make these amazing albums with because you must just constantly feel this pressure to reopen that relationship and reopen all of that trauma and go back to that place because everybody's crying for a new a mm. new hit. There was I mean maybe maybe lockdown will um you dunno. <laughs> yeah, I guess everyone's we could reforming. Do it yeah. It's it no one's gonna punch each other or smash anyone's guitar up if it's over Zoom, are they? So that might I would I would pay to watch them have an argument over Zoom. <laughs> The way they insult each other is on another level. It is so horrific. There's there's a question in the 73 questions interview where they ask, they say, Liam, who would play you in a biopic of your life? And he's like, I don't know. I don't mind. Any of them could do it. Yeah. And then the interviewer asks, who would play Noel? 
And he goes, oh, the little one from Ant and Deck. Which one's that? Deck. Yeah, that one. <laughs> like, fucking hell. The little one. Did you hear about Horrendous. this? I've not finished reading this article, so I'm a mm. bit prepared for this to turn out not to be true. But Gallagher okay. brothers re- reunite to argue in front of terminally ill Oasis fan. No! Really? Combative Brothers Oasis founders Liam and Noel Gallagher reunited yesterday to surprise a hospitalised Oasis superfan with an endless display of their hatred for one another. No, that's not true. I was worried they were going to behave for my sake or even worse, play fucking Wonderwall, but they delivered, said Martin. Helen, that's a joke. What website is that? (laughs) What website are you reading that on? The Hard Times. Yeah, that's January the twenty fourth, twenty twenty. That's a parody website. This is how I get all my information. Have you? Yeah, one of the the, one um... of the articles is um, Donald Glover quietly releases coronavirus vaccine at four a.m. before deleting it. (laughs) That should be banned from the internet because people like me go, "Ooh, that sounds plausible." And then I don't think to double check it. And then I just well, this is how this is how Darren Brown stuck you to your chair, Helen. <laughs> Did you read about um, all of the legal battles when Oasis with between Oasis and various artists that claimed they'd stolen music? Not in depth. Please tell me. Here we go. Legal action has been taken against Noel Gallagher and Oasis for plagiarism. For plagiarism. <laughs> for plagiarism. Someone's got sex on the brain. Oh, take a day off, Helen. The first was the case of Neil Innes, formerly of the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. Yeah, no one's ever heard of them. This is on Wikipedia, so it's true. Suing to prove um, the Oasis song, Whatever, borrowed from This is on helensamoron.com, so it's definitely (laughs) right. Guys, if you ever want to dupe me... Did I tell you about the time that somebody called me up pretending to be... BT, I was 17, I think, and they said that my parents' landline bill hadn't been paid and that I needed to pay it or they were going to cut us off. So I paid it on my card and then they said, that's not worked. Can you give us another card? So I went and got my brother's card and paid it on my brother's card. And then they said, that's not worked. Can we have another card? At which point my dad got home. So I said, dad, I need your card. So he gave me his card and then and then he took the phone off me and he said, I'm hanging up now. Um, and then we all looked and we'd all been robbed. <laughs> Obviously. How much did they rob? Oh, I can't remember, but the bank gave did it, you get us it back. back. Yeah, the bank gave it us back, but I was traumatised. <laughs> but then it didn't, it hasn't stopped me from doing stupid things ever since, has it? I didn't learn my lesson. Can I tell you what I did? they did that was really clever? Mm. So I did actually say, how do I know this is BT, which is not very like me, yeah. so credit to me. And they said, you'll know because we've actually already cut your landline off. Ring us back on this number and you'll hear there's no dialing tone. So they hung up, I hung up, I then picked up the phone and there wasn't a dialing tone. But it's because they'd not hung up at the other end. Do you remember landlines and how if they stayed on the line, they were still on the line? Evil. That is smart, actually. Evil and smart. So anyway, uh, Innes was eventually awarded royalties and a co-writer credit. Um, It happened again. With what song? For what song? Uh, for um, the Oasis song, Whatever. He claimed it was borrowed from his song, How Sweet to Be an Idiot. So he's now a co-writer on that song. 
Right. Noel Gallagher claimed in 2010 that the plagiarism was unintentional and that he was unaware, which I do kind of get. I, w- I wrote something um, and then I rewatched the thick of it a few weeks after I'd written it and I realised I'd literally yeah. taken lines from the thick of it and put it in my yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sort of subconsciously sinks in, doesn't it? Mm, um, it does. A second incident, Oasis was sued by Coca-Cola and forced to pay $500,000 in damages to the new Seekers after it was alleged that the Oasis song Shaker Maker had lifted words and melody from I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing. When asked about the incident, Noel Gallagher joked, Now we all drink Pepsi. (laughs) A third third and final occasion, (laughs) copies of What's the Story Morning Glory were originally distributed. They contained a previously unreleased bonus song called Step Out, this promotional CD was quickly withdrawn and replaced with a version that omitted the controversial song, which was allegedly similar to the Stevie Wonder song, Uptight, Everything's Alright. Step Out later reappeared as the B-side to Don't Look Back in Anger, albeit now listing Wonder, A.L. as co-writers. That happens Are a lot bored? nowadays, I think. It does. It does People being Taylor given Swift credit. Yeah. Well, interestingly, and then I will stop monologuing, it then happened the other way around with Girls Aloud when they um, released their 2003 song Life Got Cold. Um, it life received got attention. cold how many years ago. It received attention due to similarities between the guitar riff and melody of the song and that of Oasis's song Wonderwall. Um, blah, blah, blah. So Noel Gallagher is now, has since been credited as co- co-songwriter on Girls Aloud, Life Got Cold. And I'm sure that made him just as much money as Wonderwall. <laughs> but you're right, it must happen all the time, because there's only eight notes, aren't there? Mm. Especially now, everything's recorded. We could hear absolutely every song that's ever been done in like yeah. the last 200 years at least. So it's kind and of inevitable. Is all of the music going to get written? And then that's it. I think we've had this conversation before, which shows that all of the words are going to get said, and then that's what happens on this podcast. Is I say the same thing over and over again, and you (laughs) have a new, completely fucking balmy anecdote every week, (laughs) which just confirms to me that I don't really live. It's you that lives. It's your world, and I just live in it. I'm Liam Gallagher. (laughs) No, because I think the test of whether you're Liam or Noel is: would people feel comfortable talking to you at a party? And the truth is that me at a party is actually a very dangerous person to be around (laughs) you don't know what you're gonna get yeah oh god philip who dm'd us on twitter Mm. also posted his theory about oasis okay and their impact on the reason that brexit happened because they were a sort of beacon of a really positive view of white working class britain You've got Liam, rebel without a cause, and Noel, smart but never had a chance, anti-intellectual. Be Here Now was such a coke-filled car crash that overnight the Gallagher brothers went from working-class heroes to celebrity caricatures, and so too the popular view of working-class people changed from Lucky Jim to Little Britain. White working-class people stopped being scary, angry, talented and became a celebrity-chasing reality TV joke. And I do think there is something about the narrative of the Gallagher brothers has been... uh, It's probably reflective of that change in terms of the total decimation of the culture of working-class Britain, but 
Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not to blame for that. They're just reflective of... No, I think it's more the media response of them is, I assume, what Philip is saying, that mm-hmm. there is there is a joy in going, look, we told you so, that they were just what we thought they were. Mm. Um, and, the you know, I know that they have done a lot of really eccentric, newsworthy things, but there is also... But, like, as amount. if anyone wouldn't, if they were yeah. given a hundred grand and loads of cocaine as if you fucking wouldn't yeah age fucking 20 or whatever it was that they were when when did they release what's the story morning glory Uh, i'm looking through the wikipedia now so they had 1995 that was their first uk number one single some might say banger in 1995 yeah so what does that make liam at that point like 23 Oh my god, you'd be a mess, wouldn't you? I'd be a mess. You'd be a mess. We'd all be a mess. 23, and Liam's five years older, so he was our age? Like tw- 20? I wouldn't, I'm, I'm aging myself. Common. I'm eight years old. <laughs> um, I'm seven and a half. But you know, the, if you think of the Groucho Club and all of the paparazzi that were outside ready to print stories about them, the amount of middle class people in the Groucho who will be doing cocaine... Where it's oh, not. yeah, but it's fine when they do it. It's fine when George Osborne does cocaine. But yeah. when working class people do it, they're louts. They're, um, they're louts who aren't intelligent. That's the exactly. that's the narrative. Exactly, exactly. Um, and it's awful that they have to be any kind of representative of working class culture and symbol, symbol mm. of working class. And I think they're, you know, I don't, it was interesting. I don't know if you watched the, the uh, Big Night Inn or whatever it was called. I did um, not. So it was actually, there were some really beautiful things about it in that I, I, I was saying out loud to my flatmates, like, God, isn't it amazing the visibility of disabled people on this show when, and I cited Little Britain and said, however many years ago, disabled people, their only visibility were just that the really of a joke. Was. Exactly. Yeah. The show then ended with a Little Britain sketch where they brought out all of the old characters. And you just think this completely undermines all the representation you've just had in this show. Do and we need people... that? Do we need to see that? I know. I couldn't believe that they're still getting away with it. And you'll be pleased to know as well that um, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Gary Barlow have written a song, so everything's all solved. And I was so cross. Oh, so great. They're raising money for all these national institutions that are paid for by our taxes. And they're raised, these two people who do not pay their taxes are raising money by singing it's a fucking a joke. terrible song. The whole song. thing is no. a fucking joke. Why... Why should working class people and middle class people be asked to bail out the NHS? I know, it's it's a travesty. How how? The the fucking brass balls of it. I cannot get my head around the fucking mental gymnastics required. Alright, yeah, it's nice to have a, a sing song and everyone all the famous people doing their their well known bits on telly. I'm not a fucking fun vampire. I completely understand that that's a nice laugh for everyone right now. But, oh, please, please give generously. Fuck off. You give generously. You give generously. All right, you give give £50,000 for every minute I have to watch you (laughs) do Andy in the wheelchair. You fucking... I know it was it was atrocious it was atrocious and and it does really um 
it it pulls at your heartstrings. I was so determined not to give any money, but then I was the quickest person. No, but of in the course world. you do, and I and I have as well because you know why not? No, I'm a of bad course, person. I'm a bad person. It's because they had a competition for this really cool vintage car, <laughs> and all you had to do was text the word car, right? So I thought, oh great! So I just immediately without listening to any more information text the word car and I got a reply saying thank you for donating 10 pounds my text for that car cost me 10 pounds I thought it was a pound they saw you come in with your scratch card loving brain (laughs) but then they were saying you can donate okay (laughs) I don't even really didn't say anymore They should have just put that on the screen for five seconds. They could have had their 75 million or whatever they raised mm. done. And I'd get a car. It's nice to see you. Oh, you're gorgeous. Can't wait to um, give you a big snog. I know. I'm excited to see you in the flesh. In two weeks. Do you really think that's going to happen? Yes. Okay, you remain optimistic. Yeah, I'll remain that it's going to be a no. I don't see how I don't see how it can really. Okay. I know we say we're not going to talk about the quarantine, so we'll we'll go and we'll continue this conversation <laughs> off the without air. you. <laughs> um, but we but love thank you, you for listening. Thank you for listening. Um, do follow us on the tweets and on mm-hmm. the instas at yep. bitchinpod. Um, and do feel and thanks to everyone touch. who's been listening all our new listeners yeah hi anyway I've got to go and um, oh. inject Dettol into my neck so I can defeat the coronavirus see you guys <laughs> next week thanks for bye. listening bye, listen bye, bye, to bye. some fucking oasis fucking have it have it you've been listening to Bitchin a podcast by Tilly Steele and Helen Bunn music was by Dave Cribb and our artwork was by Luke W. Robson. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW.